Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. We looked at this verse primarily last week. And our Lord is saying, ye are the salt of the earth. He's speaking to his people. By nature, we're not salt. We need salt because, you know, if salt is used to preserve and to keep something and hold back decay, we need him. But you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, it's lost its influence, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And men would take that verse and teach from that that you lose your saltness, well, then you lose your salvation, and we know that's not the case. We are saved by his grace, and we're kept by his power. But a person can lose their influence. You know, once you lose your influence, you know, you people don't care what you say after they see how you've lived. And I mentioned, you know, Lot. I know we make reference a lot of times to Lot. But you know, he lived in Sodom. And God told Abraham, if he said, if I can find ten righteous people, ten, I'll spare the city. And there was not ten. And God saved Lot and his two daughters, and his wife was destroyed. And we don't know how many other daughters he had. I think he probably had three more daughters, and then they were married and had three three husbands. And if that if they had all just saved them, that would have been ten. Because he went and talked to his sons in laws and said, Well, you need to get out we need to get out of this place. And it said they, they mocked him. We don't believe nothing you gotta say. We don't believe in that God you claim to believe in. We just don't believe it. And can you imagine how Lot felt? Knowing that when he leaves, they're gonna perish with the rest of that place. And when God took his salt out of that place, he destroyed it. And our Lord said, ye are the salt of the earth. Now, these are those that we saw in the Beatitudes who are the blessed. They are blessed by grace. We, we see when this is something that the characteristics or the attitude of a child of God, those who are the salt of the earth, those who that are blessed, they do mourn over the poor in spirit. They mourn over their sin. They're merciful, they're meek, they're pure in heart, and they shall see God. And they are also persecuted. Persecuted. But then today we'll look at verses 14 through 16. He said, you're the salt of the earth, and today we'll, he says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You know, you think about salt. That works silently, but it works effectually. It works irresistibly. You can't stop it. Pour it out on, on the ice or something and hit a melt it. Pour it on a cold heart and hit a melt it. Pour salt on a wound and it'll burn, and it's supposed to. That's how it works. It holds back corruption. 
But today we're going to look at light, something that can be seen. Let your, let your light so shine before men that they may do what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I thought about James and John in the temple. They took and they saw what, and heard what they said, and they took knowledge of those men. They said, these men have been with Jesus. These men have been with Christ. Say something different about these men. And God's people are different. They are different from the world. We're going to see this. There's a difference between light and darkness. There's no comparison, and there's no mixing them. There is a division between them. We're going to see that in just a minute. If you want to, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 1. Now, you remember that the sun and the moon were not created until the fourth day. But here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, God didn't create it without form and void. Most people believe there's something happened between Genesis verse 1 and Genesis verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was, or someone said, became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness was everywhere. It was a chaos. Everything was chaos. There was no cosmos. There was no order, and God's going to bring order out of disorder. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and that word moved is where we get a word brooded, like where a mother hen broods over her little chicks. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, that's Christ our Lord speaking, who is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God said, let there be light, and there Never get tired of reading that. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. First thing, light. What's light going to bring? It's going to bring deliverance. It's going to bring order. It's going to bring revelation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And this is, how, this is how it works in the new creation. By nature, we have no light in ourselves. You are not the light of the world by your own abilities, your own strength, or by your own wisdom. Just like I think Mr. Pink said one time the earth is, could have been spinning. It's just, it's just without, without form and void. But no, no amount of spinning can, re, can undo its, its situation. It's just spinning, just without darkness, without, without form and void. But the Spirit of God moved. This is how we are. No amount of work on ourselves can undo who we are. We were without form and void, and darkness, darkness, total darkness. Our minds are darkness. Our, our understanding is darkness. We, men are in darkness because they can't see. They can't understand. They can't comprehend. 
It's like when Adam sinned, darkness fell. What do you mean darkness fell? Now in his reasoning, he reasons out and he thinks that I can make fig leaves to cover up my nakedness or undo what I've done. Why would he do that? His understanding is darkened. Darkened. Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. They love, they love darkness. But when Christ comes to us, he moves upon us, he comes upon us in his grace and his mercy, and he says, here's salvation. Let there be light. And there was light. You see. You understand. The light turned on. It's like being in a dark room and you just groping around, trying to find find your way to just touching, just so you don't stumble over something. And then all you got to do is turn the light on. You could take one light and light up a whole room. You, he's going to talk here about candles, something so small as a candle. It pushes back the darkness. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And when God intends to... Save a sinner. God moves upon them well, on purpose. And God says, like he did to Lazarus, come forth. And we come forth. And he says, live and you live. Let there be light. And there was light. You know, we still, we're going to see, we still have to have light. We still can't see and understand without him giving us light. He said, you are the light of the world. Now turn to first to John, the Gospel of John, John chapter one. It's almost like he's describing or telling us again what happened in Genesis one. He said, "You're the light of the world." We have to find out first who who is, when he says, let there be light, this is Christ. And when there's light, now there's order. Now it's not, now there's not darkness and void. There's, that it's, there's light. Light has conquered. Light is supreme. Light rules. It's like when the sun goes down. When the sun goes down, then darkness comes. But but the light rules. And when it comes up in the morning, the darkness just flees because he, he conquers. He comes up like a strong man t- to run a race. Like a strong man to run a race. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. By what him? Who, who, who's the him? It's Christ. All things were made by him, by the word. What did he say? God said. Remember I pointed it out when we began this study on the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, He's going to say, this is what you've heard said. Now, this is what I say. This is what he says. And when he speaks, there is authority. There comes light. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. 
and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What if God had not moved upon the face of the waters? Where did the life come? You can't separate light and life. Now you take away the sun. If for some reason God destroyed the sun, well, we wouldn't last long. We wouldn't last long. Now they even talk about sun flares. You know, they could be so big, it could, you could just destroy all electricity and all computers and everything. But what I'm saying is we don't realize how much we depend upon it. We just take it for granted. We just, we just know it always goes, it comes up and it goes down. But if it was to go out, that's it. We revolve, and as we revolve around the sun, we revolve around Christ. He don't revolve around us. But all th- in him was life. You think in him was life, and the life, the life was the light of men. He's he's life. He's light walking in darkness. Walking, what I mean by that, walking in the darkness of this world. Everything he sees is sin. He looked upon people and he had compassion for them. They were his sheep going astray. They were just wandering around. But he was life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And then turn over to John chapter 8. I'm showing you that Christ is the light of the world. And it's only because of our union with him that we are the light of the world. John 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Think about when he said, Moses said to who? When, when they, they're going to ask me who sent me to, to Egypt, what am I to tell them? You tell them that I am have sent thee. I am the light of the world. There's, there's none other. And his sheep follow him and shall not walk in darkness. But those who don't follow him, how do they walk? They walk in darkness because they don't follow him. said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And by following me, we follow life. Then turn over one chapter, John chapter 9, verse 5. John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, we know that he's done ascended back to glory, that he sits at the right hand of the Father, but he's still in this world. He's still in this world in the hearts of his people. That's where he dwells. Isn't it kind of ironic that in the holies of holies, there was no natural light in that place? None. Now, in the holy place in front of the holies of holies, there was the golden lampstand. And that was, you know, they had to keep the, the wicks trimmed. They had to keep the oil filled. And that was the only light in that room. No natural light from outside, but when that high priest went into that holies of holies, that one day a year, it was the, it was the glory, the light of God. 
That's Christ. That's the light in this world. In that room, he said, God said, that's where I'll, I'll meet with you. And you think about that. God, he's in this world. The world may not see it. And, you, and all you see, I know, is death and pain and destruction. But he's here. He's here. And one day, the sun, we won't need the sun or the moon anymore. And the, you know the moon is just a reflection of the sun. Without the sun, you'd never see the moon. It's just a dark place, just a dark thing out there just moving around. But I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And he is. And it's because he's speaking here about the characteristics of his people. They are blessed. They are salt. And they are light. He didn't say you might be. You are. They are. They are. No question about it. If God dwells in that heart, it's manifest. I mean, he, where, where he lives, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's that light. Men still hate the light. They don't love the light. They hate it. It is only because Christ is in his people that we are the light of the world. That's the only reason. It's the only way we can be. It, like I said, it's we're before we're like the creation before God moved upon it. Without form, void. Our minds are void. It's consumed with darkness. It's not just it's not just dark, it's darkness. It's like in Egypt, Egypt, it's a darkness that can be felt. Can you imagine feeling darkness? He said, Well, you can't feel, oh yeah, you can. To feel it, the, the, the emptiness of it, the, the loneliness of it. That's what I think about darkness. You know, when in, in hell it talks about outer darkness, and that's what it would be. They think, well, I'm going to go there and be with my friends. Oh, no, you'll be lonely. Be you and your conscience. Void, void of any righteousness, void of any mercy, without form and void. No, no form, no shape. Want to see something just to hang on to, and there's nothing. Total darkness. But you know the only place there was light in, in Egypt? In the dwellings of the children of Israel. No darkness in their house. The world is groping around in darkness. They, 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 don't, they don't understand what's going on. We don't, they don't understand. They, they can't see. They try to figure things out with their minds, but they can't see. They don't have a little spark of good in them, as men would say. You know, it's just like my granddaughter. If something was to have happened to her the other day, she'd went to be with the Lord. You know why? It's not because she's good. It's not because she's innocent. It's because when Christ died, he paid her sin debt. That's the only reason. But, you know, if the Lord allows her to leave, eventually it's going to come out. What I mean by that old nature, that's, that's inside of us. There's not a little spark of good, and you just got to find it and flan it and feign it. No, there's nothing there. It's because of our union with Christ. Light. That will never go out. 
Now, it may grow dim. Smoking flax, he won't quench. It may grow dim, but it won't ever go out. If it ever goes out, it was never like to start with. Reminds me of like the five wise and five foolish virgins. Their lamps went out. Yep, yeah, they went out because there was no oil there. Oil is the spirit of God's grace who trims your lamp. He puts new oil in the lamp, and he makes sure that it never goes out. Just like those lights on, each one's got an individual wire coming to it. And if you had them on the individual switches, when you cut that switch off, when you cut the power off that light, it's going out. And he will never cut out the power to our light. It's eternal. It's like him. Ye are the light of the world. And you think about when he came, Judaism. They were going through the motions, claiming to worship God, but walking in darkness. They thought it was by their good deeds. We're going to see because he says in a couple of weeks, don't do your alms before me, and that's what they were doing. They wanted, they wanted their, their good works to be seen. When we do good works, and they are, they are good works, God predestinated it. It's not that it brings glory to God. You, it's not you they see. They do see him, that they may glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Christ not only dwells in individuals, he dwells in his church. His church is made up of individuals. His church is made up of the body of Christ. Over in the book of Revelation, it talks about the candlesticks. The candlesticks, he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The candlesticks represent his churches. And he talked about the... in. I was going to bring it up last week where it talks about when the salt hath lost its savor. The church of Ephesus, that great church, the first church he mentions, he said, you've left your first love. She lost her savor. You've left your first love. He said, repent or I will come and remove my candlestick. And I will take my candlestick out of his place which was a picture of taking his preacher out of that church. And when you do, all you have left is darkness. you imagine that? There's, there's places years ago where the gospel used to be preached, and it's not preached there now. What did God do? He removed his candlestick. And if he removes his candlestick, he removes the light. Now, who's he speaking to here? And I know he's speaking to us. But these are young believers. These disciples have not been disciples a long time. They've not been disciples for three, three and a half years. And he's telling them, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. The title was not given them, not so much on account of what they knew, but on account of who they were, what he had made them. He's going to send these men out as lights in the midst of darkness. And when God pulls out his gospel, all there's left is what? Darkness. Remember when Eli's 
daughter, son-in-law, daughter-in-law was having the baby, and she died giving birth to that child. Remember what they named the baby? Ichabod. The glory has departed. If God took his glory out of that tabernacle, nothing but darkness. It was not their knowledge. It's not their knowledge. It was their character that made them the light of the world. Psalms 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy word giveth light. The entrance of his word giveth light, and it giveth understanding to the simple. A lot of times we come and read, and unless the Lord shows light upon it, I can't understand it. You know how it is. We struggle, but then sometimes you read it, and it's, it is just exactly like God turns the light on. You see, and you understand a little bit. You understand a little bit of what God is saying, then you understand a little bit about yourself, about yourself. The gospel is the means that God uses to shine in this world. All who trust Christ are the light of the world. The church of Christ is the light of this world. Believers like the moon reflect the light of the sun, and all who trust Christ reflect the light of Christ and the sun of righteousness. The life of a believer is not a show of religion, but it's a life of devotion to him. It's not a, he said about the religious, he said they do all their works to be seen of men. That's what they do. He said, they, you're gonna have your, they're going to have their reward. He said, don't you be like the Gentiles are. Don't, don't you worry about things like the world does. <coughs> Mr. Spurgeon says, true shining is silent. But it is so useful that men are forced to bless God for the good which they receive. You know, it was so sad. I know some of you probably, if you watched any TV this week, those uh, earthquakes over there in Turkey, that was just, it was not only in Turkey, it's in Syria and other nations. I think it was last night, it was 27,000 people that they know. And, you know, most I would say most of those people live in darkness, live in despair. And God has allowed us to know the truth and see the light. Where Spurgeon said true light is shining, I mean true shining is silent. I thought about when Joseph was taken captive into Egypt and they put him and took him and Potiphar bought him as a servant. And he was a servant in Potiphar's house. He had been easy to say, well, I don't deserve to be here. I ain't working for this Egyptian man, but the only light in the house was Joseph. And I don't understand all this, but you know what it said? It said that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. Now, I know it's not what the world says in religions. I want people to see Jesus in me. They didn't see Jesus in Jesus, but they saw. he saw something different about that man. His character is different. There's just, it's not that he's going in there every day, won't trying to pass out tracks or something. 
he could see him. He could see. There's something, there was something different about this man. And the whole time Joseph was in that house, Potiphar was blessed for Joseph's sake. Everywhere he went, he was a blessed man. When he was in the pit, he was a blessed man. When he was in Potiphar's house, he was a blessed man. When his wife lied on him, he's still a blessed man. He never ceased to be a, a blessed man. And God exalted him. When he cast him into prison, you know what? Light's in the prison now. And just so happened, the butler and the, and the chief and the baker just happened to be in the prison and just happened to dream dreams. And Joseph can, because God enabled him, can throw a little light on what this means. Oh, really? And then he has to stay for another two years. But in that place, in all of Egypt, light is in one place. Uh, a city said here, like I said, it's not only an individual, it's, a, it's, it's his church. The greatest blessing for the little place called Cottageville is this place right here. The, biggest, the greatest curse God can ever bring on a place or a community or a nation is for him to remove his church and say, I, that's it. The church I pastored in North Carolina was there for 18 years. And they're still there. And, you know, just just handful. Most of the time, that's how it is. I heard Henry say one time, most grace works are just a handful. And most of the time, there's not enough people in the community to believe that message, to even support that. It's like most of you drive a pretty good distance to come here. But his church is a city that is set on a hill. Why would he set it on a hill? He's not hiding it. That's what we see in those next few verses. He's not hiding his church. Now, there may be times he does hide it like he did in the days of Elijah. But he said it's a city set on a hill that all men can see. And I don't want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But don't you notice verse 3, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. How do they hide the gospel? Well, you could go back and say they, they, you, they renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Men are dishonest. They walk in in craftiness. The Bible says they make merchandise of men's souls. They handle the word of God deceitfully. You know, we've been taught enough to know when we come to this Bible, we come looking for Christ. We come looking for him. And we may not see him at that moment, but we keep looking till we see him. 
if our gospel be hid, and that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to hide the gospel. It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, this ministry. Where did God put it? In an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, we don't handle the word of God. We're not trying to deceive men. We're not trying to sneak up on men. But men, the world, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not. And they will stay that way until the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where's the glory of God seen? In the face of Jesus Christ. It's amazing if you go back and read chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, it talks, it talks about there, it makes reference to Moses' ministry. Moses had to put a veil over his face. That glory faded away. They couldn't see when his, they couldn't stand to look at him. It was just a, a reflection. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power would be of God and not of us. But men want to hide the gospel. And they want to blind men, blind the minds, men's minds. It's, it's scary and, and sobering to see even now how they go after little children's minds, corrupt the thinking, make just suggestions. It's like your little children. What they say, what they learn in the first five years, it sticks with them the rest of their life. And I know grace can do anything. I understand that. It is set on a hill, an exalted place. She can be hid. Now, the world would like to hide her. Will she just go on and, and move on? Our Lord places his church and people in such a way to reveal his grace unto this world. We are exalted and sit in heavenly places in Christ. Paul went forth preaching the gospel. Everywhere they went, God took the light of the gospel. Ephesus, Philippians, Colossae, Galatia, Thessalonica, all those places. Corinth was a pretty wicked place. He said, then effeminates and abusers of themselves with mine count, and such were some of you. And you're washed, you're sanctified. And God took the gospel to Corinth for 18 months. Paul preached the gospel, and God established a church. And he set up a line. It'd be like, okay, we're going to go down here on the East Coast, especially down on the Outer Banks. We're going to set up a, a lighthouse. Where are you going to put it? Well, you're not going to go in about 50 or 60 miles inland. You're going to get, usually you're going to get on a little knoll. 
You're going to set the lighthouse up. And what's that, what's that lighthouse for? Boy, ain't that pretty. We, go, we like to climb it so we can get a pretty good view. That ain't why that thing was built. It was built. And it may not, it probably, this is before they had electricity. It had some type, some type form of light. So those ships that are out there in the storm could see the light. And it meant this is safety. It was a warning, but it was a light of comfort. I can imagine if you, well, where's the light at? There it is. There it is. God's church is the lighthouse. Um, that's what's on the front of Bethel's bulletin, where Rupert Drive and Mark used to be a lighthouse in a dark place. And that's what it is. And everywhere God's church is, you could say that it is a lighthouse in a dark, dark place. That's why, he that's why he established this church, as a light, as a light. But turn with me, I'm going to show you this verse. He basically, I think, tells us what, this is what God does in the saving of a sinner. Acts 26, 18. And this is what we do when we preach the gospel. This is what we hope God in his grace, by his power, will do to men that are blind. To open their eyes. First thing. Like the man that was born blind. You've heard me say this. You know when that man realized he was blind? When he saw. People could have tried to tell him what the sun looked like and the, the blue sky. He couldn't, didn't understand. But when God gave him sight, he's like, oh, I was blind. <laughs> this is what it is to see. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness unto light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul said, I've, I've even at times just tried to pray that verse. God opened their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light. Only he can turn them. And from the power of Satan unto God, he translates us from the kingdom of darkness unto the kingdom of his dear son, that they may receive, Lord, get grant somebody today forgiveness of sins, and that they may realize they have an inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that's in me. I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to finish up and how I was going to try to bring the second message in together, but Lord willing, we'll just pick up right there in just a little bit, and we'll just finish it up if that's 